Last week we went over rebuke and reproof. This week we look at laziness and a sluggard. And that's not slugger as in Major League Baseball. That's um, laziness. You know, when we talk about laziness, what, what do you really think about in today's world when you think of laziness? <laughs> the devil? <laughs> he's abusing me because he's already abused me on social media and I gave him a medal. So now he's still abusing me. Getting back to the lesson, what do we think about with laziness? Anything particular? Hadn't had enough coffee today? Not wanting to work. Just, that's pretty easy, isn't it? It's not wanting to work. When you go to Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. You know, when we look at laziness or we look at the sluggard, it takes effort to work, doesn't it? It's, none of us like to go to work, really, if we're honest. So it takes effort not to be lazy. And at the same time, the person that's lazy, it takes effort to be lazy, doesn't it? When you think about this, in Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, a familiar passage, it says, Go to the ant, you slugger. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. And that's in Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. When you think of this, the ants don't have any bosses, do they? They're a pain in the neck sometimes, aren't they? In Texas, the fire ants are bad news. With no boss... There's another part of it that says, have you ever seen an ant that wasn't working? You, you really don't see them. It's interesting how the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, uses animals, uses things that we will see, everybody will see, and tells us to think about it. In Job chapter 12, we won't go there, in verse 7, It says, ask the beast and they will tell. It also says at the same time, the birds, really the beasts will teach and the birds will tell. So that's not unusual for the Lord to make reference to animals. Proverbs is the same thing and it gives us a starting point to think about this ant. Any comments about the ant? I know no one likes to be bit, but I'm saying they're busy people. What are the marks of a sluggard? What would you guess before I put them up there? Any guesses? Lacks initiative. Lack of initiative? Slothful. Slothful. 
Do what? Poverty. Poverty. She's right ahead. Anything else? Make excuses. Do what? They make excuses for not Make excuses, exactly. It's interesting in Proverbs, if you go to 26, 14, the love of sleep. Now, all of us like sleep, and it's not talking about you getting your normal rest, but what happens with a lazy person? They hit the alarm and they don't make it to work, do they? In Proverbs 26, 14, we'll look at these different things since we'll do them one at a time. In 26.14, it says, As the door turns on its hinges, so does the slothful turn on his bed. Here's the alarm, and he turns over, doesn't he? When you go back to six, Proverbs 6 and verse 9, the very first part of it, it says, How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep in verse 10, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a robber and you need like an armed man. Another one that's really interesting to me, which is true, when you go to to chapter 21, Proverbs tells us they don't have the ability or the inability to get started. What does that tell you? Besides sleeping, they don't want to get going on anything, do they? They don't want to work toward any goal, do they? They don't want to do the project. In 21 and 25, 21 and 25, it says, The desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. And then when you go to verse 26, He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. With him not wanting to start anything, he's not going to be industrious, is he? He's not going to be bringing anything in. Without bringing anything in, what's he going to do? He gets lazier, doesn't he? But the industrious person is constantly working. When you go back, we already read 6 and 9. So another one that is the inability to stick with the task to conclusion if you're still there and and if you'll turn over just a couple of pages to 26 and verse 15 in proverbs 26:15 it says the slothful man buries his hand in the bowl it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth you know that's a sad commentary because i like to eat and it's saying that he's so lazy, he, he can't even lift himself up and take care of himself, can he? And when we think about that, there's a stopping point for them. They, they go so far and they stop. They don't do what they need to do. When you go to 1227, chapter 12 and verse 27, says the slothful man does not roast what he took in hunting but diligence is the man's precious possession one thing that we've done tried to do in in every situation except for predators we eat the game we shoot and try to share it here they shoot the game and what do they do 
don't even take advantage of it because they don't want to be hassled with taking care of it, do they? When we think of a person like this, you can see how it just progresses. If they're asleep, they're not going to get started. If they're not going to get started, how are they going to stick with what's going on? It's going to be tough, isn't it? Well, here's a favorite. When you look at it, we all are procrastinators, aren't we? But, it, but Proverbs talks about it in 24, 30 through 33. 24, 30 through 33. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instructions. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to the rest. And we'll talk about, uh, as we said, so your poverty will come like a prowler and you want your and your want like an armed man. Here you you have the vision and vineyards were important then that says, you know, we're, we're going to have this vineyard. We're going to have the fruit of the vineyard. But he doesn't even take care of what he's got because he's lazy. That's a sad part to me in here. Another one that's, that's interesting, and, and some of you have probably dealt with people like this, they're full of advice. Uh, the very people that sometimes are the laziest will give you advice, won't they? In 26 and verse 16, in Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Isn't that interesting that they compare the sluggard to seven men that have, I would call it, common sense, wouldn't you? That here he doesn't even want the advice from somebody, but he's willing to give the advice even though his actions are not Christian-like, are they? Any comments so far? Yes, sir. Got two here. All of this reminds me of what we see around us today. We, uh, we give a spoiled child everything he wants, and, and he grows up thinking that everything is handed to him. And now we look around this nation and, and other nations, signs all over saying help wanted, but nobody wants to work because they're, they're waiting for someone else to give them money, the government, uh, not to work. It's like farm subsidies. We're going to pay you not to grow cotton. And that mentality is, uh, I think, a good part of why this nation is like it is today, is that we've raised a, uh, a nation of, of spoiled children. If we're not careful, uh, it's going to be uh, an entire nation uh, as our children and grandchildren and, and so on and so on uh, get this mentality that even though we should work, God, uh, one of the first thing he, things he did was put Adam to work tending the garden. Uh, we'd rather have it given to us. And that's, that's a sloth. That's a sluggard. Uh, that's who this, this uh, 
book is talking about, the one who just rolls over and waits for the mail or waits for someone to, to bail him out. And it, it's just a sad, uh, sad comment, but I, I like all of the descriptions here that Solomon gave of that person because it matches, it matches our nation exactly. Well, in the sad part, we can think of people like this, can't we? Uh, not only kids or whatever, and there is this sense of, first of all, no accountability, <laughs> and second of all, give me what I want. John? Yeah, that wonderful example of the ant that you mentioned first is the opposite of all of this. Uh, he has no leader, see, to, to tell him what to do. He's self-motivated. He sees the job and he gets busy, doesn't procrastinate, and uh, gets the job done. Anybody that's a supervisor over people to do a job would love to have workers that are like ants. They, they work when, when they have the opportunity, see. The ant, he, he lays by in, all in the summer, and then in the wintertime, he's got what he needs to tide him over. So that, that's just a, a wonderful example of exactly the way God wants us to be. Absolutely. We got Nate over here. And I was up in Montana a few weeks ago at the comp company meeting. I was in a conversation with some guys, and, and one of them told me a saying that I'd never heard before, but I think is very, very true to today's times. At least, and as you look back over time, I think it's got a lot of weight to it. Um, hard times create good workers. Good workers create good times. Good times create lazy workers. Lazy workers create hard times. You'd have to write that down for me. Yeah. Well, I had to go through my mind. I know. I'd, I'd have to think about <laughs> it to say it right. But no, I mean, when, when you think about it, I mean, you go back many generations, you know, even during the Great Depression. You know, it was hard times, but it was, it was men and women that worked to the, to the bone, and that produced better lives for their children and so on. And, and we're seeing it now to where in today's society, in reference, I think what Bruce, you know, those of us and even, you know, even a generation before me, we've we worked hard to give our children all the things we didn't have and to make life easier on them. And all we've done is, is crippled them. And we've crippled this society. And we're, we're living in somewhat good times now, but look at what the aftermath is going to be because of the lack of work on the laziness that is taking place in this generation can only show you what the next generation is going to be like. Exactly. And you know, the, the sad part is everything of you, what you've said, it's not just that person, but affects family, friends, and everybody else as an example, doesn't it? What kind of example are you, are you showing? The, the last one that I have up here is excuses, uh, which is excuses, which if you look at 20 and verse 4, most of you as you're turning there have heard the lazy or the sluggards always make excuses when they're asked about work and, and different things. In 20 and verse 4, it says, A sluggard will not plow because of winter. Therefore, he will beg during the harvest and have nothing. Why is he not plowing? He's he too cold. 
When you look at 22.13, just a few pages over, 22.13, it says, The slothful man says, there's a lion outside. I like that. You know, the lions are just waiting. Maybe he's talking about the devil, you know, as a roaring lion. But he says that a lion is outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Well, I wouldn't go out either. But that's a pretty, pretty poor excuse, isn't it? When you look at Ecclesiastes, you don't have to turn to that. You can just keep it in Proverbs, and I'll, I'll read that. Ecclesiastes 11.4, it says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What is that saying? His head's up in the clouds, isn't it? He's not even thinking about what's going on. Any other comments? When we think of these marks of a sluggard, one thing that we can go to is the consequences of laziness. Uh, One of them was said earlier, poverty and shame. If you go to 10 and verses 4 and 5 of Proverbs, 10 and 4 and 5, it says, He who deals with a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of a diligent makes one rich. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So it's both ways in that verse. You know, with, with not having anything, some people can hope that it will be given to them, but they don't realize sometimes the shame that comes with it. And maybe the shame isn't felt because they expect it, don't they? They expect to be given these things. If you go over a few chapters to chapter 19 and verse 15, 19 and verse 15, it says, Slothfulness casts one into a deep sleep, but a prudent... Wait a minute, I was reading the wrong one, wasn't I? 19 and 15. Slothfulness casts one in a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger are, are what it is with poverty. And when you go over to 20 and verse 4, I read this, the sluggard will not plow because of winter, therefore he will beg during the harvest and have nothing. Isn't it interesting that here it just ends up being with this lazy person that they're, they're losing things, they don't have anything to take care of, and there's a, there's a catch here. Because the Lord said in the Bible that us guys are supposed to take care of our families, aren't we? We're not supposed to say, eh, we'll get some of it done when we can. We have a responsibility as a husband, don't we? We talked about the worthy woman, but there's a responsibility for a husband. One other thing, it's irritant to the employer, which kind of what, what John said, if you've got the right employees... If you look at 10 and verse 26, 10 and 26, it says, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the guys, so is the sluggard to those who send him. In other words, the employer that sends him out. You know, no one, when you think about it, will, will promote, except in the government, uh, 
an employee that's lazy. And uh, I work, I've worked for two government agencies. I know how it works. In 25 and 13, it says, like the cold of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. The opposite end with this person who is not an irritant with, with um, the employer. And then the last one on this is frustration. When you look at this with frustration, I think a lot of times the lazy person doesn't realize the frustration because sometimes they're not always the ones frustrated who's frustrated. People, the other people that have to put up with it, don't they? In 15 and verse 19, it says, the way of the slothful man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of, upright, of the upright is a highway. When you go back a couple of pages to 13 and verse 4, it says, the, the soul of a sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. When you go to 14.23, 14.23, it says, in all labor there is profit. The idle chatter leads only to what? Poverty. When, when we're thinking of this and, and people that, that are the sluggard or the lazy person, it's, it's a sad commentary because when this happens, it tends to cause other people to do it, doesn't it? It kind of escalates. In 21 and 25 and 26, it says, the desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. You know, we're, we're in a world now that it's people want to do better, and I was even talking to Deborah the same thing that, that Bruce said, how many help wanted have you seen lately? Everywhere, isn't it? <laughs> and we'll go to some place and they'll say, be kind to us because we don't have enough people. So there's plenty of jobs, aren't there? Nate, you got your hand up? Go ahead. Yeah, just to coincide with the help wanted sign, I mean, coming out work for right now could easily employ 200 additional people. And within the different divisions we have, we need all kinds of work, but we can't find people, one, that want to work, and then two, that have the skill sets to do the jobs that are out there. Um, but, you know, another thought that I have in regards to the consequences of laziness is, is um, the person loses their independence. Good and point. You, you can go to one, and then by that, you know, they're, you know, Meaning of work, loss of you know independence is you know free of being dependent on others, right? So you know one who is lazy, they're automatically become dependent on others, and that causes I think the frustration of others. But Proverbs uh, twelve twenty four says the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. And so ultimately, it's going to come down to those who are lazy and don't want to work. They're going to be forced to work when it comes down to it. And they might not get the jobs they want. <laughs> yeah. So, if you'll turn to Matthew 25, 
I want us to look at a, um, some passages here in Matthew 25 and verse 26. We know that this is um, the parable or a parable of the talents. And in verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked, and mine says, lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. When you go back in this particular chapter to verse 15, it says, and to one he gave five, to another two, to another one. But there's an important statement here. The statement says, to each according to what? His ability. So they were given these talents according to their ability. You know, when we think of ourselves as Christians, we have our possessions, we have resources, we have abilities, we have opportunities to use these resources, um, we have time to use them, we hope, and we have our soul, don't we? Where did we get these things? We got them from God. And when you see this wicked and lazy servant, we understand that life is short. But also, it says in here that when the master returns, what's going to happen? You're going to give an account, aren't you? And I'm not going to do it for Brian, and Brian's not going to do it for me or Deborah. Who's going to give an account? Me. Me for me. And when we look at this, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. He basically did not have his heart where God wanted him to have it, did he? Now, back in those days, according to history, a lot of people would bury money. A lot would do it. But the fact was, he wasn't trying to, what, use the talent, was it? And the bottom line is we have to use what the Lord gave us. <laughs> and we have to take personal responsibility as a Christian to do that, don't we? And when you read this and you see it's interesting, and I, I, just to me, how many faithful servants were listed in this? Two, weren't there? wonder why there were two faithful servants and one bad guy. If you look at verse 21 of this chapter, verse 21, because I didn't want to read it all, in verse 21 says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler of, of many things. And then what does he say to him? Enter into the what? Joy of the Lord. When you skip down to verse 23, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler of many things. Enter into what? The joy of the Lord. It wasn't so with the other one, was it? 
We need to understand the importance of being a worker, not only in God's kingdom, but also in everything we do. When you think about that, another verse, if you go to Ephesians 4 and 28, Ephesians 4 and 28, It says, and he's already talked about lying and being angry and everything. And in verse 28, he says, Let him who stole, I'm reading out of the New King James, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to do what with? To share or to give to somebody in need, isn't it? And... You know, when we look at the world we live in, there is a standard that we live by, isn't there? And that standard says that we expect people to respect our property, don't, don't we? We expect our property to be something special for us. We close that door in our house. We don't want somebody taking advantage or doing something else because it's important that that's our house, that's our family. That's everything else, isn't it, that we're, we're used to having. Well, at the same time, when you read this verse, uh, verse I just read in 28, it talks about stealing, and that's not respectful, but at the same time, it's talking about a standard of work ethic, isn't it? That, that we as Christians should be a high point for our employer, shouldn't we? And it's not always easy. I've had bad bosses. Everybody has. But there is a work ethic that says work with our hands for doing good and the motive is what? To help others, isn't it? That's the motive. It's not self-satisfaction. I mean, you're going to get you know, your due amount of money that you agreed on and everything. Any comments about this? Another part uh, which you're all familiar with when you go to Second uh, Thessalonians, well, f- a, a familiar passage in Second Thessalonians 3, 7 through 12, 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to actually start at 6. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6. It says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat uh, anyone's bread free of charge, but what? Worked with labor and toil, and not just during the, you know, nine to five, it was day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves a what? An example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, 
we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you disorderly in a disorderly manner, working, not working at all, but are what? Busy bodies. You know, it's simple. My Bible, I think, probably yours does too, that says that these verses are a warning to idleness. And it's a serious situation, isn't it? Because it says, basically, these people are are walking disorderly. Disorderly means that they're not according doing what the example was that Paul's setting here. And we have to be careful with that. Any comments? But the thing just to add to it is, why were we created? What were we created to do? You look back at Adam and Eve, when they, after they were created, what they do? They put the work in the garden. Ephesians 2.10, you know, we were created working, work, you know, to do good works. You're taking some of my thunder away. Huh? No, it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's exactly right. That, that started from the beginning, didn't it? When you go to the other side and you think about uh, discipline, we talked about Proverbs 6 about the ant, and uh, John had even said that they're self-motivated. There's discipline with the ants. And then in Romans 12, 11, in diligence, not slothful, fervent in spirit, doing what? Serving the Lord. If you've got the New King James Version, it says not lacking in diligence. So there's this part that says we should be industrious, we should be hardworking. If you look at uh, Proverbs 10, and verses 4 and 5, going back to Proverbs 10, 4 and 5. It says, He who deals with a slack hand becomes poor, and the hand of the diligent makes one rich. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps and harvests is a son who causes shame. And we talked about that. If you look at 13:4, here's the industrious. 13.4, the soul of a slugger desires and has nothing, and the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. When, when you think of this, also, there's an interesting part that when you go to Proverbs 22 and verse 29, which eventually we're going to end up talking about humility in one of the lessons, but in 22 and 29, It says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. You know, you'll know him by his actions, won't you? You'll know his position when he's an industrious person. When you think about that, it's exactly what Nate did on Stealing My Thunder, that if you take it back to Genesis, what is it? Its work started in Genesis, didn't it? Now, there are some theologians that said, oh, this was fun, taking care of the garden. I don't think it was. It was work. But we know that, that when the Lord took him and put him there, it wasn't him saying, well, hold on, man. We're in the Garden of Eden. Cut us some slack. 
couldn't do it, could he? But we know that he fell, didn't he? They fell because of sin. And in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you'll return. You're going to work. You're going to work the rest of your life, aren't you? That's what he's saying. And I think sometimes we forgot, or we forget, let's put it that way, what really happens with from the very start, from the very beginning, that work was part of it. I want to show something here that I call God chooses workers. When you think about this and you think about workers, in Exodus 3, 1 and 2, Moses is is basically taking care of the flock. He's got an important mission. It's a flock for Jethro, his father-in-law. He moves it and an angel appears and then the Lord says, Moses, Moses. I'm paraphrasing because we won't read them all. And Moses was working, wasn't he, when the Lord came to him? He wasn't off in the tent, you know, messing around. He was working. When you go to Judges chapter 6 and you think of Gideon, the, the Midianites had been a problem for him. He was trying to thresh this wheat kind of in a hidden area, I call it, so the midnight Midianites wouldn't catch him or, or be there. And the Lord basically, uh, basically through the Lord, tells him that, and I wrote it down, the Lord is with you. That's, that's kind of refreshing, isn't it? And he's working. When you go to 1 Kings 19, Elijah had already said it's too much for me in earlier chapters. And the Lord said to Elijah, well, you go get Elisha. He's going to take your place. Elijah goes there to put his coat on him and what's Elisha doing? Do you know what 12 yoke of oxen is? That's a lot of animal, isn't it? And he's working, and he puts his coat on him and says, you're taking my place, basically. God chooses workers. When you go to Matthew 4 and 18, we're all aware of Peter and Andrew. They're fishermen. And what does Jesus say? Come with me. They're, they're casting their nets. They're working. And there's times that the Lord appeared with Peter, and Peter even said, I'm not worthy. He was still challenging the deity of Jesus. But here he was working. In Matthew 4, 21, as you go down farther there, James and John were working. They were mending their nets. They weren't sitting on the side smoking a cigarette or eating a donut. They were working. And the Lord chose them, didn't He? Interesting part, the tax collector in Luke 5, 27 and 28, is sitting where? Where he's supposed to be to take your taxes. The IRS is at work. And the Lord chooses him, doesn't he? And then last of all, which we know in in Acts chapter 9, 
Paul had already gotten letters. He was a prosecutor that was on go, wasn't he? He was ready to put the Christians to death or prison, whatever it takes. He was a top-notch prosecutor, and the Lord basically stopped him, didn't he? While he's on a route. I think we forget that the Lord wants workers, and he chose workers. And you might know more than this. Any comments? I think one thing, going back to Genesis and the, dip, the two differences between the types of work there in the beginning and then when they got kicked out. Is, you know, I've always heard it said, and I believe myself too, if you do something you enjoy doing, it's not work. <laughs> That's true. Right? And so I, I it can't be fun to work. I sort of see that in the beginning in, in, in right. Eden. They were working, but it was something, it might have been something enjoyable that wasn't. That's what they knew. That, that's, what, that's all they knew. And I so think they, the theologians meant that. I don't yeah. think they meant that, oh, it was great and fun. It was something for yeah. them to do. I, mean, I agree. When, when, when you're doing something that's not really enjoyable, yeah, it's still work, but it, it's got a different feel to it. Exactly. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last verse, since the, this is coming, it says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve who? The Lord Christ. Thanks for your comments.